We welcome your ears. We welcome your ears. We welcome your ears. Deciding to move out of the province we lived in, both of us, our entire lives, to a different province we'd never actually been to, really, or knew not that much about. And so I wasn't sure at the beginning as to whether this move was necessary or desirable even in that sense. But my wife had this very strong sense about it that this was the right time to make a change and a change was due and a new chapter needed to be created because of our age in life. You're listening to The Sill Podcast with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 182, PH Factor, Hit the Road, Jack, the COVID Catalyst Migrations. Come on in, have a seat. Join the conversation. Here we are, Harry, podcast 182, Hit the Road, Jack. It might as well be Hit the Road, Harry. We're beginning the story with the ending, which seems like a relatively happy ending in the fact that you're all there safe and sound and beginning your new life in Nova Scotia. However, the story kind of really started way back a couple of years ago, back in March of 2020, when COVID arrived and began to change things. Little did we know how much things would change over the next two years. Mm -hmm. And of course, that eventually led to you and your partner deciding to put your house up for sale, something that probably was not in the cards prior to that. Yeah, COVID is not a direct cause, but one of the precipitating factors. I mean, I ended up uh, having to retire early from my job because of COVID, and that meant I was at home a lot more and kind of retired, basically. And we had one breadwinner who was also working from home in the corporate world, and so the dynamic of the household changed over those two years in different ways. Mm. And our thoughts about how our home and our lives could unfold began to become more blurred and shift and change. And then we had uh, a precipitating factor was we had some good friends who decided to move to Nova Scotia. And they ended up deciding to have a house, a new house built here to move into. And so we kind of were with them in that process, if you like. And my wife traveled to Nova Scotia a few times to visit her friend there before their house was complete and touched base with this province, the landscape, the people here, and kind of gradually fell in love with the ambiance and the feeling and the spirit of this province. So when it came time for us to sort of think about our future, we originally had thought, well, we're going to be living in the house we're living in forever. That's it. But then we thought with housing prices as they are, and I know Caitlin has talked about this in our little interview with her, housing prices were going through the roof in Toronto and surrounding areas, including our area in Caledon. And we saw that and we saw housing prices here in Nova Scotia were maybe uh, two thirds of what they are in Ontario. And we thought, and Uta, my wife, thought, well, Maybe this is a chance for me to retire, actually. If we sell our house here and then buy the other house in Nova Scotia, the difference in those two prices will be enough to kind of retire on and not to have to worry too much about money. Mm -hmm. So, And in your case, it was even more than two-thirds, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like less than half of our sale price, what we paid for the house here was less than half. And so 
we kind of, after a lot of thinking and talking, and we began to kind of just sort of dip into the market, the housing market here in Nova Scotia, and began to look at houses online. And we eventually got an agent here. And uh, my wife's friend also became kind of our eyes and ears on the ground here as well. And so eventually we arrived at this property that was sent to us by our agent. And online, we were looking at these photographs and going, this looks like a really nice house. It looks really nice and enough land for our horses. And the house wasn't an older house like ours was. And uh, we kind of got excited about this house, intuitively thought this could be the one. And so basically, our friend here in Nova Scotia went with the agent to look at the house and became our eyes and ears about the property. And back and forth we went online, essentially, Zoom calling and all that, until eventually we actually bought this house online without having set foot on the property. <laughs> right? Which a lot of people go, what? Because, you know, it's taking a bit of a risk, of course. However, if we go back a bit and talk about events leading up to that, yeah. you would already had over 18 months experience with your partner having worked from home because of COVID. And she had that experience under her belt now and so did the company she was working for. Well, she wanted to continue working here if possible, but she had her doubts as to whether her company would allow that. But as it turned out, it was a very easy transition and her higher ups said, just do it, just move and you work from where you are and we'll deal with it. And that's what's happened. She's transitioned and working from here through this pandemonium in the house and the moving in and carrying on with her job, which she was hoping to do for a few more years before retirement anyway. So all of these things fell into place in just the right manner. It's, it's almost as if the gods were on our side or something with the property being what it is and the people here being so helpful. Even our neighbors here in the next property came by and cut the grass and took care of the place before we got here. So it shows you how important good neighbors are for one thing. Sure. But what I was saying, though, was that COVID actually created a situation here in Ontario before you went to Nova Scotia, whereby your partner had to work from home. So she got to experience firsthand what that was like full time. Yes, that's right. That's right. And while that was happening, of course, as Caitlin, I think, points out in the interview you did with her, people were clamoring to move out of the city, out of the more densely populated areas because of COVID and into areas that were more sparsely populated because they were just generally speaking safer. There was less incidence of the virus here. Well, in Caledon, where we were, where you are in Orangeville, than in the big city. So that meant housing prices really started to go up. And that was the moment that we thought, okay, this is an opportunity to cash in our chips, if you like. We put in 22 years of hard labor into making the house we were living in a beautiful home and all the landscaping work, that this was a chance to recoup that and then head off to a different chapter in our lives. As an add-on to this podcast, I reached out to Caitlin Klein, a top producing real estate broker with Century 21 Millennium, who specializes in country properties, 45 minutes northwest of Toronto in Caledon, Dufferin County, and surrounding areas. Caitlin's been raised in the real estate industry under the mentorship of her mother, Mary Klein, 
a name synonymous with Caledon Property Real Estate over the last 32 years. Caitlin herself has spent 15 plus years in the industry and is very well acquainted with the area and has an in-depth understanding of real estate transactions for buyers and sellers. Together, Mary and Caitlin have been the number one team since 2017 for their office located in Brampton. Hi, Kate, and thanks for joining me today. Thank you for inviting me on your podcast. So, Kate, my first question to you is, how significant was the working from home experience during the so-called COVID pandemic? Um, I think one big pivotal shift has been the ability to work from home. And I would say that's something that I think a lot of folks aren't really willing to give up. Internet accessibility is no longer an issue in our rural communities, which has ultimately changed the notion of home-based business. The fact that you can move out of the GTA and still work is a big trend here. The lockdown forced everyone to adapt. Companies and management saw that their businesses can still be successful and efficient with a workforce that isn't physically together in an office. The COVID lockdown proved that working from home is possible. This gave employees leverage to prove that they could be as productive, if not more productive, without having to commute. On the other hand, families living in smaller square footage and forced to work from home realized that they needed more space if lockdowns were to continue to happen more frequently. We all recall seeing the videos of newscasters working in their home offices and their children running in and interrupting. It's also relatable, right? I think companies are starting to call people back to return to the workplace down in the city. And a lot of folks have moved further north. Um, I do think that there is going to be more negotiation with HR departments going forward, whereby I think people are going to try negotiating a couple more days at home because the commuting factor just doesn't make sense anymore. The work-to-life balance is more at the forefront as a result of the pandemic, and folks aren't really willing to compromise that now that they've had it. Well, that makes sense. Um, if they're able to accomplish their work in the same efficiency, if not more so, then it's wonderful. And I, I just think people aren't going to settle and nor should they. The desire for land and space with the possibility of building that dream home definitely came to the forefront more than I have ever seen it in our local area before. Hmm. And what triggered the quickly escalating real estate prices during this period? And how did the market react? A few different things happened and were realized that triggered a quick increase in prices. For starters, inventory was low before the pandemic began, not to mention that GTA, Southern Ontario, and even the Canadian population has been steadily growing. We keep hearing this over and over again in the media that there isn't enough homes. This created a situation where there were more buyers than properties for sale. We also saw lending, specifically mortgage rates, at an all-time low. Therefore, people had the ability to borrow more money. Was the uh, rising real estate market not already present before COVID happened? And uh, can you briefly describe the state of real estate over the last five years, including the pricing surge we saw in 2017? Well, what was different with the pandemic in 2020 versus 2017 is that not only did we have the two factors of low inventory and low rates, but COVID accentuated the now desire to move away from the higher density areas to lower populated rural areas and hamlets. This, in my eyes, created the perfect storm for prices to surge and the migration that followed suit. Real estate became a hot investment, and some homeowners refinanced their homes while others pulled money out of poor-performing investments to invest into the real estate market. The Toronto market was hot, and it radiated out into the smaller communities outside of the GTA. 
Toronto sellers sold their homes, condos and townhouses for record breaking amounts, which allowed them to buy larger homes and acreage outside the GTA, outpricing the locals in their own communities, essentially locking out young families seeking to upgrade or those in our communities looking to downsize and put some and maybe put some money away for retirement. For the first time, we started to see more people moving out of province for different reasons. Some expedited their retirement plans in search of affordable areas and to pocket proceeds for their home sale here in Ontario. We also saw young families move out east as it is more affordable and others moved to remote places outside of Ontario that simply reminded them of what the area they they lived in used to be like prior to any growth. It's very interesting to see the trends that have taken place uh, over the course of the last few years. Um, what we've all been waiting for, our rural area internet infrastructure, has been growing and becoming faster and more reliable with, with added pressures being put on local municipalities to adapt and develop faster. As, you know, working from home has never been better and easier in these smaller communities. With the lockdown forcing people to work from home, these areas can now support the heavy internet traffic that is needed to telecommunicate. We've also noticed more weekend traffic in our rural areas as people in the city ventured out and discovered our beautiful countryside, our little villages and towns full of history and rich in culture. So how do you think uh, COVID-induced protocols and varying public opinion actually affected buyers and sellers during this period? Well, there was a lot of controversy over COVID, the vaccine and COVID protocols in general. And I, I did see that some families were divided, including my own. There's lots of opinions floating around. We have to be respectful of everyone's sensitivities towards the protocols as everyone feels differently toward COVID in general. Some sellers and buyers had no issues with strangers entering their home, while others wanted to know if buyers were vaccinated. We always followed strict guidelines of uh, limiting the number of people in showings and um, PPE recommendations when entering people's uh, personal space. Um, before each showing, we would take the time to contact the buyer or the buyer's agent to confirm that they were in good health, haven't been around anyone showing symptoms, and we would remind them of the PPE protection when entering uh, one's house. Oftentimes, we enter into people's lives at very stressful times. Maybe there's been a passing or maybe there's been a separation and moving in general can be quite overwhelming. <laughs> and then you add COVID on top of those already mentally demanding situations with showings and people you don't know coming through your house. And, you know, some sellers didn't wish to have in-person showings at the beginning of 2020 or they insisted on any showings be virtual first, followed up by an in-person visit. Um, you know, it, it was a stressful time and still is for some demographics. And we have such incredible technology at our fingertips now with floor plans, drone and video footage, um, and the immersive 3D virtual tours where we have 3D cameras that go in and you can look at the floor and you can see the ceiling and you get a really good sense of the home before you even book in a showing. Having those media options available to potential buyers is crucial because you know that when you do get a showing that they're serious, that they've, you know, they've looked around at the media available to them. I've only had a handful of people over the years purchase a property without seeing it and feeling it in person. During COVID, thinking back, I didn't have anybody buy without seeing it in person. Um, but prior to buying a home, I, I do always suggest having to feel the space. Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
And just to close this segment of the podcast, would you say that uh, today's youth attribute as much value to owning a home as their parents did? That is a really interesting question. Uh, as young people, you know, may not want the settle down version of home ownership as we we all know when we're raised with. The young people today are driven, they're motivated, they're educated, and they know what they want. And they seize opportunity when, when it's in front of them. And I think they have it right. Um, you know, they travel, they live and, and um, you know, restore old vans and talk of tiny homes and greener lifestyles, making the world a better place and all, all while having passive income. I think it's great. Um, we have different ideas and, and it's really fascinating to speak and hear from the younger generations. I, I think you'd be very surprised at how they think outside the box and they have other avenues for investing, you know, cryptocurrency, NFTs is just a few examples. It's interesting. Caitlin was actually the agent, she and her mother, that uh, sold your property in Caledon. Yes, that's right. And she did a great job. And I was uh, just amazed at how that process has evolved over the decades with drone footage now incorporated in there and 3D photographic technology so that it makes it actually easier to see a house as it is via all these methods which made our purchase of this house here in Nova Scotia easier too, because there was a lot of that involved in seeing the house. So yeah, technology has really helped smooth that process for a lot of people. It was that very technology that allowed you to do the same with your property in Nova Scotia. Exactly. Yeah. So we had a very good sense of what the property was like before even setting foot on it. When I arrived on June 23rd, it was my first physical visit to this house. And we had owned it since April 28th. <laughs> so uh, it was uh, kind of a shock to step inside something and hoping that uh, it's everything that it appeared to be in the virtual world. And you were fortunate in your timing as well. How do you mean? You timed things very well with the marketplace in terms of when you purchased, when you sold, things worked out. Some people in the current stage are not quite as fortunate. Yeah, in fact, um, we had delayed putting our house up for sale by about three weeks. And as a result, we probably lost a fair bit of money in terms of the market value because it was at that point that the housing prices in the greater Toronto area were beginning their plummet. Just at the beginning of that, it was already beginning to, to fall. And so luckily enough, we were able to sell our house just past the crest of that wave as it started to fall a little bit. We sold the house. Just as the housing prices in Nova Scotia were beginning to rise a little bit too, we purchased this house. So timing is everything. Sure. And also, I mean, I mean, right now we're talking about it in retrospect in the sense that you've been through some difficult times and gotten through it and you're now safely there and enjoying the property, as you mentioned to me a couple of times since. So talk to me a little bit about uh, some of the challenges at the beginning and the emotional uh, effects and, and, you know, discussions with your partner, differences or other things that were, in retrospect, they're behind you. However, when they were happening, they were kind of consuming, were they not? Well, I mean, you know, uh, first of all, the very first consideration is deciding to move out of the province we lived in, both of us, our entire lives to a different province we'd never actually been to really or knew not that much about. And so I wasn't sure at the beginning as to whether this move was necessary or desirable even in that sense. But my wife had this very strong sense about it 
that this was the right time to make a change, and a change was due, and a new chapter needed to be created because of our age in life. I'm 71, she's 63, going on 64, and so we're entering the senior phases of our lives. And that was an important consideration, and there was a lot of back and forth about whether we should or shouldn't do it. Periods of uncertainty there, when this house kind of came up, that uncertainty diminished because it just seemed like the perfect place for us. And I, at a certain point, went, you know what? This is an adventure. Let's dive into it. Let's do this adventure. It'll be an amazing uh, journey. And so it has been. From the moment I got in that car to the moment my wife arrived with the horses and uh, we've carried on this incredible journey here because we're making this house into a home and that's a whole other journey. Right. One of the things that I wanted to ask you as well during this discussion was the experience you've had with leaving friends and family behind, because I know that many listeners, that would be one of the priorities in their minds when they're considering making moves of this nature was to leave family and friends behind. Was that a difficult thing? Yeah, in some ways it was the most difficult thing because my mother-in-law is now turning 99 and that was one of the hardest things was to let her know that her daughter and son-in-law were leaving the province and going away from her. At that age, it's very difficult because we may not have many times chances left to see her again. And then friends that I would normally be able to sit down and have a coffee with, I can no longer do that. I can only talk on the phone or via Zoom or something like that. It makes it difficult. So it means that I will be making friends here now in some respects to replace some of the people that I just won't be able to connect with as much anymore. Some families are actually moving closer to their children, for example. So this migration isn't just away from friends and family, but it's towards as well. Good uh, point, Harry. Yeah, yes. So, yeah, there's that too. Now, there are tens of thousands of people who've made the same choice and gone through the same process, albeit in different ways, in different situations, whether it's out of province or further north within the province. You went through all this, mm -hmm. and there will inevitably be many other people making this choice. Is there anything that you would pass on to others in terms of your own process that might help others? It probably won't be all that new, but one of the things people need to consider is that their lives will change. So, for example, I'm a writer, I'm a poet, and I've been active in the literary community for years in the area that we just left. But for about almost a year now, I've not been able to really do much of any of my writing or get into the spirit of it even because we were so focused on this transition. So I think people need to be aware that when from the beginning to the end of the move, you may have to sacrifice some of the things that you take for granted in your daily life to focus on all of the nuts and bolts and considerations of a large move like this. In our case, we had to include the movement of horses, which is in itself a big transition. It's like moving two families. So... We had to deal with the fact that there was no barn or paddocks on this property. And so we had to figure out, well, 
the barn is going to take months to build and the horses are going to be here in a few weeks. We need to have something for them to receive them. So we had to make connections to a local builder to come and build horse shelters that would operate as a kind of makeshift outdoor stable with some small paddocks that the horses could live in, be in for a few months while the barn gets built. Well, all that has to be organized. And if you don't know people on the ground in the place you're going to, it's difficult to do that kind of thing. But here's the deal. Depending on where you are, right, in this part of Canada, people here are actually marvelous and wonderful and really want to help. They're really ready to help. And so everyone you speak to can refer three other friends to you for things that you need done, whether it's making new windows in the house or painting or what have you. Everybody knows somebody. There's a great network here in this community that we're in. We're in rural Nova Scotia. So there's that aspect of it too. And that's an attraction that I think that many people are feeling, or at least that's been the draw for many people with regards to a sense of community that many are seeking, especially in these last couple of years with the isolation, with the separation of people, the social distancing and so on. Mm -hmm. That sense of community is lacking even more in many cases. Yeah, and I think it's even enhanced as you meet people in this new community, as we're meeting people in this new community, that feeling of, ah, we can connect again. It's all good. It's getting better. We're getting out of this thing. People have that uh, sense of relief in them and actual joy in a way (laughs) in meeting people again and not being afraid, just relaxing into it, that it seems really easy to make friends here in this part of the world right now. And maybe that's true elsewhere, especially in rural Canada. It's been one of our pleasant surprises here. And a lot of folks from Ontario have moved to Nova Scotia. So this eastward migration that's happened, and not everybody here is thrilled about it, as people often aren't when there's people moving into their neighborhoods. But it really depends on who you are and how you relate to people, whether they see you as a decent person and There's no worry that you're from another province kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Now, you said the word surprise, and that was going to be one of my questions to you. The surprises, both on the plus and minus, any that stand out for you? Well, the only minus surprise, and they're not minuses, they're more like challenges than minuses. But one of them is in Nova Scotia, this province is not a have province like Ontario. It's a have not province. And what that means is that the infrastructure is just not as built up and as well-maintained as in Ontario. So the roads here, especially in the rural part of Nova Scotia, are pretty atrocious in terms of potholes and patchiness and uneven pavement and that sort of thing. So that was a surprise. I go, wow, I have to drive on these roads every day or every other day or something. So what's that going to do to my car? The other sort of a small minus or small obstacle is we discovered something on our property called wild parsnip. And our neighbor alerted us to it. He said, do you know you have wild parsnip on your property? And I said, well, what's wild parsnip? He said, well, have you heard of giant hogwart? And we had, and it's a very toxic plant, giant hogwart. And this wild parsnip is a close cousin of it. And it's also quite toxic. So we have areas of it on the property now that we have to be aware of and deal with and worry about our animals getting in touch with these plants, etc. So 
it's a challenge, but the positive is that it's forcing us to become aware of our landscape very quickly and the natural part of it that surrounds us. And thanks to our neighbor, who is something of an amateur botanist, we're learning about the various kinds of flora and fauna <laughs> around the area here. Uh, one interesting thing too, and this is, may seem really weird, but the wildlife here just seem friendlier or something. It's the weirdest thing. We have a hummingbird, Peter, that comes around every single day, once, twice, three times, to our courtyard in the back of the house outside. And literally, this hummingbird approaches to within about one foot of our face and hovers there looking at us. And it's like the bird is saying, hey, how you doing? You know, what's going on? Hey, what's up? You know, whoa. So we, <laughs> Boy, he's we, Italian. We christen, yeah, his name is Nick. We, we <laughs> call him Nick. <laughs> but Nick comes around every day. And it's like, what? That's incredible. I've never had a hummingbird do that. And one day, three of us were sitting together. And Nick went to each one of us in turn, looked at us, and we kind of hovered around our head, circled us, and said, oh, okay, cool. How you doing? Okay, I'm out of here. And then flew away. I've never seen that before. Well, you know what they say about energy. And if you believe in that, the so-called universal energy or the energy that we all emit, mm -hmm. given our circumstances and environments that we're in and so on, yeah. and how we relate to one another, perhaps this energy is being felt all around. Yeah, they say you draw to you what you emanate kind of mm -hmm. thing. So if that's the case, we're doing something right because we're drawing really lovely people into our lives here. And and the animals themselves, we've got wild pheasant on the property and they're beautiful birds. We've seen a fox cross our property. There are deer here in abundance, apparently. Even bears, black bears, maybe not necessarily in this direct area, but in this area of Nova Scotia generally, there's a bear population to be aware of. It's a wilder, more natural environment here. It isn't as built up as Ontario. You are fairly close to the Bay of Fundy. Yep. Yeah, we're in Woodville, which is a small little hamlet just south of the Bay of Fundy and just south of a, a structure called the North Mountain. It's just a very high hill. It's just below what would be called a mountain, but they call it North Mountain here. So we're on the south side of the mountain, looking up at the mountain, and the bay is on the other side of that. You're actually in the Annapolis Valley. Yeah, the breadbasket of Nova Scotia, apple country, big time. In fact, we have an orchard on our property that we've inherited with the property of about 220 trees. It's an incredible sight to behold. So we have to then also deal with this orchard. You know, how do we maintain it? Are we going to maintain it? It's almost 100 years old, this orchard. And so it may not be worth maintaining. So we're looking into all of those things and that's all new to us as well. You've been there for a month now. The conditions that you're finding in your community, in your area, how does it compare to Ontario or more specifically to the area that you were in? Does it feel as restrictive? What's your overall temperature on this as things relate to COVID restrictions, mandates, and so on? Well, there hasn't been really any sense of it here. I mean, you see the odd person now and then in a grocery store wearing a mask. We were at the Halifax Jazz Festival last weekend, and among 10 to 15,000 people at the concert, there were really only a handful of people wearing a mask, and people were jammed in together, sitting side by side, or standing side by side. 
So it seems to me that if folks here are just a little bit less concerned overall about COVID, and I haven't had to go into any sorts of healthcare settings, but I presume that mask is still essential or is still asked for in healthcare settings here as in Ontario. But beyond that, not really much of anything else. Very little sign of it at this point. And there are now two other couples from the area that were living here out there close to you, right? Yeah, that's right. One of them came out here a couple of years ago, one couple, and then our friends came out this year, early this year. And there's other people I know from the past who moved here, uh, three other people anyway, that I'm connecting with. I'm also going to be receiving an electric bike that I've purchased. So I'm going to get into e-biking through the area here to keep my exercise level up and to travel to the nearby uh, towns that are about uh, 15 minutes by car. By e-bike, they're probably half an hour or something. So I can pick up some small groceries and come back and get some exercise. And we don't then need a second car necessarily as well. So that's a good thing for the environment. So you're lowering the carbon footprint as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and getting good exercise. So. Well, it sounds to me like overall it's a winning situation, despite, as you said, some of the challenges and things that you had to deal with. You're in a pretty happy place. Yeah, I mean, aside from the usual repairs to some things in the house that come with the property and the house is age, etc. Aside from that, we're very, very happy with the purchase, the virtual purchase. Uh, maybe we lucked out, I don't know, but we're very happy with the situation here and uh, looking forward to living the rest of our lives in this location. We don't really want to move again. So this is where it's at. And I have a feeling there'll be other people joining you as well. From what I hear, the migration has not stopped. Mm. And I think that the infrastructure people are also being alerted in the places like where you are and many other areas in the Maritimes and more isolated areas throughout Canada. The infrastructure mandate, so to speak, is growing as more and more people look for space and are able to work and live away from urban centers. Yeah, it remains to be seen, Peter, because with housing prices plummeting precipitously in Ontario, and housing prices beginning to rise here as a result, that migration might slow a little bit, but it won't stop it altogether. So yeah, I think you're right. More people will gradually make it here and the infrastructure will have to be accommodating for the population that arrives, many of whom come from have provinces and who expect roads that aren't filled with potholes, etc. For example, I've been on the local maintenance department to fix the road, our roads. You know, when is that going to happen? When is it on the schedule? When are you starting? You know, like push, 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 push. But I think that's just par for the course and it'll happen when it happens. Things tend to move at their own pace here as well in Nova Scotia. It's not quite the same as in Ontario where everybody is, let's get it done now. Let's get it done yesterday. Here, the pace is a little bit slower. People are not quite as much in a rush to be type A personalities and that sort of thing, which is really nice. You know, there's a more relaxed feeling here as a result of that. And uh, that can only be good for my health, right? For you, for sure. And also, as you said, uh, from what I know of you, I know that it kind of suits your persona as well. But there's always a give and take, no matter what you do, no matter what transition you make, there are always pluses and minuses. You've got to weigh things. And yep. it sounds to me like overall, you've both done very well. 
certainly I can tell by the way that you speak and I've spoken to you over the last couple of weeks a couple of times and all in all it sounds very promising. Yeah, I'm happy for me and for a lot of seniors who are able to make the transition. I'm not happy thinking about the younger generation who, with housing prices being what they are, just simply can't afford a house. And hopefully this will change in some form or other. Not that it has to, because a lot of the younger generation are not that interested in owning a lot of stuff. They, they tend to not want to own, but would rather rent or utilize it and then leave it and not be responsible for it. So the new generation has to make its own path forward and we'll see where it goes. Mm -hmm. So Harry, any closing thoughts? Well, my only thought is that if you're thinking about retirement, for example, there are worse places to be than a province like Nova Scotia that is beautiful and full of nature and wild in different ways and laid back. And don't be afraid to make the leap because it is a leap. It's a leap of faith and it's a leap of physicality and emotional resonance. And you're going to change through the process. Something will change in you in this move and something has shifted in me. I can already feel that and it's shifted for the better. So I can't complain. It's been good. Another thing people should be aware of is that in the move, things inevitably can get lost. So be prepared psychologically for the loss of certain items uh, just because the volume of stuff that gets moved every day in this world is immense and not every company, moving company, even the best one, can always keep track of every single item and things do get misplaced now and then. So it can happen. So just be prepared for that. As you continue there, I'm sure there'll be other people that you will meet yep. and perhaps even other things that we will discuss regarding your new environment, because as you say, it's a kind of a new beginning, more stories, more things to talk about. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, we're going to stay in touch and continue what we're doing here with this podcast. Yep. And I look forward to hearing about your new experiences and perhaps the fact that we are at opposite ends here, we may be able to give listeners a better spread, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. Give them a, a wider sense of the country. A lot of people who aren't from Canada and who are listening to our podcast aren't aware of just how enormous this country is from east to west, north to south. You're in Ontario in a central province and I'm in one of the Atlantic provinces in the Maritimes, but there's the whole western Canada as well. So it's a gigantic country. Not only Western, but West of me is almost twice as far as East of me where you are. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we're spanning maybe a third of the country in our conversations. Exactly. Here. So there you go. We're going to carry on this. Harry, uh, just to close this off, we'll keep tabs and we'll see what comes from your living experience there. Yep. And in the meantime, just enjoy. I will, and uh, we'll, we'll be looking forward to whatever our next podcast is. And that, of course, may be determined partially by this move as well. We'll have to see. Anything could happen from here on in. Get ready for it. All right, Harry. Thanks, Peter. As usual. Have yourself a good one, and we'll talk soon. Ciao, Harry. Take care. Ciao. The Sill Podcast is a Connecting Dots Media production. Available at thesillpodcast.com. Thank you for your donation to The Sill Podcast.